Amen. Thanks, Liz. John chapter 12. So grab your Bible, your phone app, something like that, and let's, uh, let's jump into this. This is it. This is the last week in this series. We've been going since February all the way up to this point. We're going to take a break from this, and then next year after Super Bowl week, we will pick up again in John, and we'll continue forward. And it's all going to be focused on the Passion Week, because that is what the second half of the book of John is all about. John spends so much time in that. So... John chapter 12 for today, and we're going to be kind of wrapping this up and summarizing to a degree, but we're going to also ask this question of, so what? What does this mean to me? What should I go do with this? Now, we've been talking about inviting, sharing Jesus, inviting. It shows up in this in this uh, book of John uh, up to this point over and over. Next week, we're going to start a three-week, very, very practical series called Prayer, Care, Share next week and we're gonna we're gonna be teaching you very practically how do you pray for people that are far from god what does that look like how do you care for people that are far from god how do you actually share with people that are far from god because here's the deal is you are never responsible for somebody coming to know jesus christ in the sense of them putting their faith and hope in him that is the holy spirit leading but you and i are responsible for them hearing that message read it in the bible God has no plan B. His plan A is you and I will be the one responsible for sharing Jesus with other people. And so if we're not doing it, if we're sitting back and saying, you know, like, hey, Denise's dad's in prison, somebody else will do it, right? It'll happen. In the end, we don't have that testimony that she shared this morning. It's our job, our responsibility. So that's why we keep encouraging you to invite somebody along, to have a conversation about Jesus with somebody. Open up the door and see where it leads. So that practical series, that'll kick off next week. And Pastor Anson's going to preach next week. So sometimes people come to me and say, hey, when you're gone, why don't you let Pastor Anson preach? Like, you know, you don't, you don't have faith in him or something? You don't think he can do good? No, I go to him first every single time. But you'll notice he has a very significant role, which you don't recognize how much work this takes for him to put all this together on Sunday morning. So add a sermon on top of that, and it's a heavy week. He's willing to take on that heavy week this week. So he'll be preaching next week. So I'm looking forward to it. We get the opportunity to go see my son James in Memphis. He's working on his master's degree. So we're going to take that opportunity next week, um, and then we'll move forward. So John chapter 12, did I give you enough time, or did you just stare at me the whole time and not go to John 12? Like, yeah, yeah, I know you by now in this series. I could probably call you each out who's doing what, but I won't do that this morning. Verse 23 says this, Jesus replied, the time has come. Up till now, what you've heard Jesus say over and over in some way, shape, or form is the time has not yet come. This is not the right time. It's not time. Listen, I remember, and, and my parents are watching this morning, the first time we went to Disneyland, right? And all I wanted to do was ride Space Mountain because that's what I had heard. You know, that's the big roller coaster, Space Mountain. Now, I was so small. I don't remember how old, seven years old, eight years old. You know, but I was a little boy, so I thought I can handle anything this park throws, right? Space Mountain, that's what I... I had no idea what Space Mountain was. I did know there is this huge mountain in the middle of Disneyland. This is in Southern California. This huge mountain, right? It looks like a snow peak mountain, right? And in my seven-year-old head, that was Space Mountain. So as we were walking past that, 
I have these vague memories of complaining and whining. I want to go there. That's where I want to go. And I remember my dad saying, but that's not Space Mountain. That's not, that's, it's, it's, it's this way. It's this way. And like, in a very real way, my dad was saying, look, the time is not right because that is not Space Mountain. That doesn't make any sense for us. Now, uh, I'm going to confess to you, when we did actually get to the time being right, and we got in the line, and if you've ever gone, I don't know what it's like in the Disney world being on this side of the nation, but as a seven-year-old boy, I mean, it's black in there. There are these laser lights that are shooting all over. They've got the, 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 the sounds, you know, that sound like mission control. And then ever so often when you're walking in line, you had a glimpse of not really the track because it's a dark ride, but of a cart just zooming by, you know, and it sounded like, you know, a rocket exploding. Um, I didn't make it that time through that line. <laughs> I, this seven-year-old boy chickened out. So, um, so the time was not right for me either to get on Space Mountain. Jesus is saying the time has not come. Like, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're thinking from your viewpoint, like, this is right, this is the one, this is the place, this is the thing, Jesus is saying, nope, it's not right yet. It's not right. God has a design and a plan. And here in verse 23, Jesus finally says, it's here. The time has come. The time has come. For us, we're ending on this. We're, we're doing like the end of season one, you know, in a series where they leave you on a cliffhanger and you're like, <gasps> now you know what's coming, right? Because you're believers, you know this Bible a little bit. But this is the time has come. Can you see his disciples say, what does that mean? What is now going to happen? They would have to trace their head and think back to all these times. Do you remember John chapter 2? Jesus is, is saying to this, to, this, uh, uh, to his mom, who's saying, hey, help these people. They've run out of wine. And Jesus says, well, what is that to me? My time hasn't come yet. It's not come for me to reveal my glory and to do this yet. Later in John chapter 7, uh, his disciples say, well, let's, you know, let's go. It's actually his brothers were involved in this too. And they're saying, well, let's go. But by this time, it had gotten to the point where Jesus knew they wanted to arrest him. And Jesus says, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 6, for you, any time is fine. You can move about freely. I can't do that. My time has not yet come. It's not time for me to be arrested. It's not time for this to happen. A little bit later, two verses later, you go up to the festival. You go ahead and go. I'm not going to this one because my time has not yet come. He knew what would await him. It's the same thing that happens here now during the Passion Week that we'll look into later. But my time hadn't come, so he doesn't go. Verse, chapter 8, verse 23, he says, When the human one is lifted up, then you'll know that I am. There is coming a time when I will be lifted up and glorified. He uses this phrase, the human one. Maybe your translation says son of man in there. This is actually a tie back to a phrase we find in the Old Testament over and over. And it's very hard to perfectly translate. Think about it in terms of suffering servant or one that will suffer with you as they're leading you through. That was this concept of son of man. In fact, you might remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember that story? They're all in the fire, but there's a fourth, and he looks like what? Son of man. So that's the term, and it's how it's used. And Jesus is describing, there is a time where this suffering servant leading you will be lifted up. But it's not right now. 
Again, they wanted to arrest him in John chapter 10, but he escaped from them. Wasn't time. How he did this two different times in John, I don't know. He was a Houdini, but he escapes both times because his time had not yet come. There had come a point where it got so dangerous for Jesus, and we actually saw this last week. It said, therefore, Jesus was no longer active in public ministry because his time hadn't come, and he knew he couldn't move about freely. He would have been arrested. The time needed to come, specifically during the festival. And now we find just before, six days prior, Jesus says, the time has come for the human one, the son of man, to be glorified, to be lifted up. Remember, that's what glorified means, to be lifted up. Can you flip to the end of your sermon notes real quick this morning? At the very end, there's a statement. And this is going to be for you, but I don't want you to fill it out right now. So if you think, oh, I know the answer, you don't. Just hang on, all right? Live out this statement. My purpose as a Christian, saved by Jesus, is blank. Is what? Now, let's just look at this this passage, and we're asking the so what question. So what in all of this, uh, John, that we've looked to? So what that it's my time has not yet come, and now my time has come, and all this stuff we learned along the way. In fact, every single one of these, if you missed any, is on our website, uh, thewindoverhills.org. I think it's online messages. You'll see the tab. Or if you like to do podcasts, you can, if you have an Apple phone especially, it works the best, you can just click the podcast, search Windover Hills, it comes right up. Here's three things I want you to know this morning. Number one is this, we learned from John. God is prepping you for mission. You're being prepped all the time. You and I are being prepped for his mission all the time. All the time. We've been designed for this. We find a a verse at the very beginning of John, chapter 1. We study this way back, right? Mid-February. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. Now, when you think about this phrase, remember we define this several times because the word sin shows up. Don't think, oh, to take away the sin of the world, that means to cover over your cussing, right? Or the times when you were rude or mean or all that. It encompasses, it encompasses those, but the word sin is bigger than that. Sin means separation. The distance between God and I. That's what Jesus came to say. I came to bridge that gap, to eliminate that separation, That is what the Lamb of God came to do. That is Jesus' mission. So even though now the time has come for him to go to the cross and to die for that separation and that sin, all the way up till now, Jesus has been speaking into it. He has been speaking to people. He has been showing his definition of everyone is truly everyone because that's what his mission is. And so when we think about this, that Jesus will save you from your separation, all that that is, that's why we say to you, that's why the invitation from Jesus is to accept Jesus as your Savior. He is the one saving you from that separation. All that comes with that separation, all that you have to endure on this life and in the life eternal with that separation Jesus came to save you from that. That's why we speak in terms of salvation. 
If this morning you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you just say, like, I'm just going to continue on and figure out separation on my own, right? This would be a time to evaluate what Jesus is offering, especially as we've read in the book of John, and accept Jesus as your Savior to bridge that separation, to cover over those things, to redeem you and forgive you. But if you've been saved, if you're like, that was a glorious moment for me, then know this, you're saved for a purpose. You're saved now for a reason and a purpose and a mission to be on. You and I are now designed to go out and to be like Jesus who saved us. And that means we're going to be on mission too. That means our job is in some form to go and we won't take away the sin of the world, but our job is to go introduce you to who will take away the sin of the world. So we're on mission just the same as Jesus was on mission. The second thing this morning to remember in this book, in the meantime, as he is training you, prepping you, and building you up, follow God's will in every way. In every way. Sometimes you're like, he's, he's training me, he's building me, I'm not quite sure how to get out on mission to the full degree. You might be younger and, and you're going to college and learning these type of things, or God has just transformed your thinking in something and you've been spending time with him as he builds you up and trains you. In the meantime, however, follow God's will in every way. In every way. What does it mean, God's will? Well, we talked about this in this series. We define God's will. We, we said, let's get off the notion and the thought that often we think of God's will is every moment, second is scripted out for you to do just like this. And if you don't, you violated God's will. The problem with that is we don't see that biblically. We do see times where God says, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to say this. And in that moment, God is prompting and directing and leading, and you better do it because that's God's will. But we don't get a glimpse in Scripture of every second being scripted out. And if you mess up a second, you've messed up God's will. So what is this thing about God's will? It's to live out the way of God in all you do, in all you think, to live out God's way. Let's say today you've got two wonderful job offers in front of you, and you are praying for God's will. It may be that God is very clear and says to you, I want you to take this job. If you came to me as your pastor and you said, I've got two great job opportunities. One, like, I could actually work for this bank and I can help people, maybe underprivileged people, get the loans that they need or the finances they need. Oh, yeah, what's the other one? Well, the other one is this crew invited me to, to join them to rob banks. I would say, okay, well, that's pretty clear where God's will is at. You know, don't rob the banks. Um, well, how much will you come away with? What will your tithe be? Uh, no, no, don't rob the banks. Go work for the bank. You know, go take care of people. That would be clear. But if you came and just said, look, I've got two wonderful opportunities. They're great. I don't know. I'm praying for God's will. It's often God says, man, just go for it. Choose one. And live out my will. Live out my way in whatever you choose. Honor me and serve me. Love others in whatever you choose. Live it out that way. That's more often how God's will works. Live out God's way in everything we do. 
this, this week, um, this week we had this, this uh, obviously on the news, this, this idea of forgiving student debt. And I, I'm telling you, I'm a little, I was a little oblivious that this was even coming down the pipeline. I apologize not staying up on current events. Um, so I was, I was kind of thrown sideways on how big of a social media uh, conversation this was on both sides, right? You've probably seen it. It goes one way, another way. Um, these things are often heavily, heavily political as well. It's one example of how you and I often get off track in following God's will. Because when I look at this issue, and you know I'm not, I'm not a political speaker from the stage. I just believe my job is to to preach God's word and to share God's word and not to give my political opinion. Some of you, uh, I know over the years, you're like, uh, you would think it different. It's a non-negotiable for me. So it's how we'll, we'll continue to move forward. But when we look at this, I think we don't think about something like this, this issue this week, or maybe another issue will pop up next week. We don't think about this as an American first. As a Christian, I don't think about this as American first. I have to think about this first as a follower of God. Everything I deal with, I think first as a follower of God. And that's not me telling you what my thoughts uh, on it. I'm, I'm, I'm having a decent time reading everybody else's <laughs> to see where people are at. But I do know this. My job is to live out God's will and to follow God first and let him direct me first. And every once in a while, that means I go against what might be considered conventional thinking. My neighbor came over yesterday. I was doing bushes. Um, and I don't know about you, um, I like doing bushes because it's immediate, like you go from that scraggly to, wow, that's nice, clean lines. You know, you can see it right away. So I'm doing bushes, and I, I'm in a little bit of a groove, and I turn around, and he's standing right there, right, I mean, five feet away from me. So it startled me just a little bit. And, uh, and I love my neighbor, um, and he's a talker. Do you have a neighbor who's a talker? Um, I know we're, he didn't come over, you know, just to borrow a cup of sugar. Um, we're about to go into a 30-minute conversation on positive, and sure enough, he starts into this, this conversation, right? And I'm thinking for the first uh, minute or two, how do I, like, how do I get myself out of this? And I can't go back to my bushes now because he'll see me in my bushes. Like, how do I, you know, what do, do I have an appointment? Is something going? No, it's Saturday afternoon. I don't have anything. So we just talked, and we just talked. And he shared with me what's going on with his, his adult son who lives at the house. And it's a mess, and it's a struggle. And he's heartbroken, I could tell, as he went on. And his wife is heartbroken. And he poured out, you know, almost to the point of, I mean, this is tough manly guy in his view, almost to the point of tears for him. You know, in 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I don't know. I lost track of time later on that. You know, we parted ways and he went his ways. And I was sitting there thinking, I, God, had no interest in following your will today. I didn't have any, I wanted to cut bushes. And God said, that wasn't my will today. You have to live out my ways when the opportunities are in front of you especially. How do we know this is the case? Well, We've learned it in John. This is what Jesus constantly talked about. I'll give you one example. John chapter 5. Jesus responded to the religious leaders. I assure you that the son can't do anything by himself except what? He sees the father is doing. This was Jesus' way. 
Jesus is living out God's will. If the Father is doing it, if the Father is about it, I'm going to do it too. Now, for you and I, guess what we get to do? We get to look at Jesus, and he gets to be our example. We get to read the Gospels and ask, how would Jesus do this? We get to go back to, you know, the old bracelets we used to wear, WWJD, and say, what would Jesus do? That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to live it out. I wanted to put it this way for you in your notes. The Christian life is defined by imitating Jesus, period. That is what the Christian life is about. Christ, Christian means Christ-like, and it is de defined by imitating Jesus, period. That's what it's like. So if I'm not sure what Jesus is like, what there is to imitate, well, there's my next step. I know where I go. Find out about Jesus. Live it out. Zeb, I was thinking about you because my, my son TC just left yesterday, and he, he's a gamer, and Zeb's a gamer, and they like to connect over this gaming thing. And TC will um, tell, I, I should say Thomas, because he'll watch later, and he prefers Thomas. I'm not supposed to say TC in public now. It's supposed to be Thomas. Oh, so I apologize, Thomas. But TC, um, actually, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, we were having this conversation about one of your games, and he was talking about this campaign, and this, it's such and such a campaign, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, because um, he brought up your name uh, in it as well. He said, well, that means it's going to last about four hours, and i like, oh, okay, all right, I, I, I guess, you know, I don't know how you get to that from that name, but, um, you know, I'm thinking of those type of things. Now, if I really wanted to know about that, Zeb, your, your world and, and his world, what would I do? I would sit at home. And just like hope the information would fall out of the sky, that I might know it, you know? No, I would have to go and join one of those, whatever it was called, campaigns, you know? Can we do it for an hour? Can we? Okay, all right. But I would have to go join that and learn about that. And that's what, I mean, as Christians, so often we're like, oh, I'm going to be Christ-like. How do I learn how to do that? I don't know. I'll just sit around and hope it falls from the sky. No, we get into his word and we learn. When we do hear something, we write that down and say, that's something I got to apply to my life. That, I got to put that in because that's about Jesus. Final thing is this, number three in your notes. Eventually, you got to live out the mission. If he's prepping you all the time, if you're like, hey, I'm not ready. I, he's, he's training me. He's building me up for what he has for me. In the meantime, I'm going to live out God's will. I really want to follow God in this. Eventually, you got to live out the mission. If you're learning how to share your faith, how to invite people to church, how to speak into people, how to lead people to Christ, it's okay to say, hey, I'm learning how to do this. I'm, 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 I'm being trained or I'm, I'm learning this. But eventually, you got to live it out. You got to go do it eventually. Like nobody goes to college, right, for 20 years. At least, I mean, you're not supposed to, right? You go to college or, or you go to your, your some type of, of of schooling, get a certificate, or those type of trade school, and you go and you learn. And then what do you do? You go do it after that. And that's what you got to do. Eventually, you got to live out the mission. Eventually, you and I have to get out there and actually tell people about Jesus. We have to get out there and actually serve people as a lifestyle and not a one-time event that the church might put on. We've got to get out there and live mission. We find here... Chapter, chapter 5, the Father has given me works to do so that I might complete them. These works I do testify about me that the Father sent me. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to complete this. I'm not just going to say it's out there and one day I am going to do this. This is my mission. I'm going to do it.
you'll never reach your potential without pursuing his purpose. It's important to know. You never reach your potential as a believer in Jesus without pursuing his purpose. His purpose in your life, the mission you're on, we reach our potential when we say, I'm going to get on that mission as well. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to share Jesus. I'm going to invite people to church. I'm going to open up conversations. I'm going to find ways to really serve them. That's what I'm going to constantly do on a daily basis because I'm going to live out the mission in that way. Look at John chapter 12. Jesus, this is after Jesus says, my time has come. He's praying. This, this is what Jesus says. Look, I'm deeply troubled. As you might be, my time has come. I know what's in front of me. It is not no, uh, any longer, my time has not yet come. I can put that off. It's like one day, it's here. You got to do it, right? I don't know. January 1st, you go like, oh, tax season. Well, the time's not come. I've got time, right? <laughs> I'll put it off, put it off. And then, you know, before you know it, it's, it's what? It's April 15th? Is that the, you know, before it's that morning of April 15th. And you don't have, you know, a CPA lined up. And you're like, what do I do now? The time has come. Well, I'll file an extension for August, right? <laughs> and then August comes, the time has come. What do I do now? Jesus is deeply troubled because now what he's designed to be and do is in front of him. And he knows what it is. But what does he say? Now I'm deeply troubled. What should I say? Jesus is talking. Father, save me from this time. No. For this is the reason I've come to this time. Father, save me from this. I just want to cut bushes. No. This is what I've designed you to do. Turn and talk to your neighbor. Turn in his heartache and talk to him. No, I don't want to share Jesus. This is what you've designed to do. Speak Jesus into this person. I don't want to invite him to church. Then I'll have to go to lunch with him afterwards. No, this is what you were designed to do. Invite them along. Go have lunch. You pay for it. All that kind of stuff. You were designed for this, and so was I. So here's our statement. We're back to it. When we think in the terms of what we've said, the overarching God's prepping you for mission. In the meantime, do his will in every way, but eventually you got to live out the mission. Live out this statement. My purpose as a Christian, saved by Jesus, is what? what? You could personalize it. Write it out. I encourage you to actually write something out. Don't walk out in this notes beyond the, the chair. I will track you down in the parking lot and bring it to you. Pit. I probably won't do that. Write out your purpose. What is it? Eventually, you got to live that out. Got to live it out. And usually, it doesn't come like all of a sudden where you say, I'm not living it. Today, I'm living we're, we're trained, we're built, and you put it into practice, and you test it out, and you take a step of faith, and you see that God is with you. You take another step of faith, and you keep going forward. What we don't do is cower back and say, my faith isn't powerful enough. The Holy Spirit's not available to me. God's not in this. We just keep stepping forward and doing what he's called us to do. Well, you have opportunity. Like this week, you'll have opportunity. Over the next few weeks, you'll have opportunity. Teacher Appreciation Sunday, like that's an opportunity for a specific audience to invite your teachers to come and, and to be here. There's always opportunity to invite somebody. There's always opportunity to have conversation. So that's what I invite you to do. That's what the book of John invites us to do. Even most important, that is what God and Jesus is calling us 
to do. Would you be one to join into that in his call? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this book, this 12 chapters that we've studied, and we look forward to where you are going, and as we really learn in detail your sacrifice on the cross next year. But Father, for now, you've called us, you've prepped us, you're prepping us, you've done it, and you continue to do it. You're calling us to live out your will as we're figuring out how to be on mission. But eventually, we got to step out in faith, not let fear conquer us. We have to step out in faith and live out mission that you've called us to. So Lord, help us to take a step forward this week. May it be clear, tangible, measurable that we would look back and go, I took a step on this day. Here's what happened. Help us in that way, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Amen.